Bibles, and I believe you do. If not, just look up on the screen here this morning. We're going to go to, uh, well, I'm not sure exactly what scripture we'll go to first, but let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. Thank you for the Word of truth, the life that's in your Word today, Father. And we ask the Holy Spirit to breathe on us today. We know that it's the Word of God that's been given to us, but it's the Spirit of God. You said the letter kills, but the, le- but the Spirit gives life, Father. And we thank you for the Word of God and the Spirit of God today for fresh revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, three, this will be the third session here, but two, a couple of weeks ago we began a series, and it was right after, uh, uh, right after the new year. And uh, we call this series Determine, and we made mention of the fact, I'll just introduce this, and then we'll just go back and share a couple of things that we talked about. Uh, these are names that I want to just mention real quick here throughout the Bible. We've got like people like Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Esther, Elijah, Elisha, just to name a few. These are Old Testament people. You come over to the New Testament, you have people like Blind Bartimaeus, Blind Bartimaeus, Syrophoenician woman, a woman with the issue of blood, the man that was carried on a stretcher uh, and let down through the roof uh, and was healed. We have uh, Zacchaeus, we have Peter, James, John, Paul, Jesus, just to name a few. And, uh, and I noticed that throughout the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, that the, the common thing that was you see a common thread, I guess you could say, throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And these are people that received something from the Lord. Now, some of them received healing, physical healing. Some of them received deliverance for their, uh, their child, okay, and so forth and so on. There was different situations that they faced. But one of the things I've noticed that, and this, this kind of started in healing school two times ago when Brother Dan was teaching about that common thread throughout the Bible. Something sparked on the inside of me, praise the Lord, about how that uh, you, you see something that's consistent with people that received from the Lord. Now, we've, we've called this series Determined. Say Determined. Now, to receive anything from the Lord, you have to be determined. And these people that we mention here like Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David and Esther and so forth and then the New Testament people, they had opposition. They had opposition. Did you ever have opposition before? Anybody here ever had opposition? (laughs) Just a few people, okay? And um, or we could say obstacles that you have to overcome, you know. Let me tell you something. The devil's not going to just lay down and play dead, even though he's a dead spiritual being, you know. He's not going to just let you walk through life and just, things are going to be so easy for you that it's, there's no obstacles. That's not the way, how many of you know that's not the way it works? Sometimes you've got to fight, you've got to stay in faith, you got, there's things that you have to do to be persistent. And uh, the common thread throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament was their persistence. These are people that received things from the Lord that were written down for our sake. The thing that was, uh, d- that was common to all of them was their, per- their persistence and determination in the face of obstacles, roadblocks, adversity, but they overcame it. They overcame it. Amen. Anything, anybody, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Thomas Edison, who had whatever, how many inventions? Thousands of inventions, Okay. And, uh, you know, he was credited for uh, creating the, the first incandescent light bulb, all right? And someone asked him one time, he said, well, were you frustrated, you know? Did you get frustrated, you know, uh, when it came to inventing this light bulb, you know? Because up to that time, since the Garden of Eden, if you needed light, hey, light a candle, <laughs> right? And he says, did I get discouraged? He says, I can tell you 10,000 ways that a light bulb doesn't work. So what was he saying? I was persistent. He said, I can, he said there was 10,000 ways I can tell you that the light bulb doesn't work. All right? So even, our, even in the last hundred years, people that made inventions, they had obstacles, they had situations, and, uh, and it looked like it wasn't going to work. Amen? And, but they fought through that. And uh, 
the word determined, I looked up some synonyms, not cinnamon, but synonyms. Uh, the word determined means intent on, bent on, sent on, insistent on, resolved to, firm about, committed to, resolute, purposeful, single-minded, unswerving, undaunted, intent, insistent. For someone that's determined is going to be committed to. Amen. Say, I am determined. Hallelujah. It's important to say that about yourself. Now, you may not feel like you're a very determined person. But if you begin to say that, say, I am determined. I am going to receive. I'm telling you what, I'm going to receive. When I, when I go to a meeting, I go to receive. When I go to hear a message, and I go hear a man or a woman of God that I respect, I tell you what, I go to, I go to receive. And you know what? I never come away disappointed, ever. Now, we looked at some people, uh, for example, and for the sake of time, we're not going to go back, but you can grab the CD and you can go back, and I encourage you to do that because, you know, these messages are linked together like a chain, okay? And, and to get the most out of this message, if you didn't hear the last message, you know, it's important you go back, and, and that's why we make those available free. So there, there's no excuse. They're free, right? <laughs> you can listen to them. Praise God. We've been doing that for years. But we looked at some people in the, in the, in the New Testament, for example. Uh, first, the first week we looked at blind Bartimaeus, how that, you know, he had resistance. He was blind, you know, and the people tried to shut him up, you know, when Jesus was coming in town. And we looked how he received his miracle. And then we looked at the Syrophoenician, uh, I'm sorry, the second thing we looked at was the man that was born of four. In other words, he was crippled. But he had four crazy friends that knew where Jesus was in his house. And they, uh, they went up. They went to the house first and foremost. You know, the meeting had already started. And it was too crowded. They couldn't figure a way to get into the house where Jesus was. There's the healer right in the house. You've heard that song, Healer in the House? <laughs> That's where that comes from. And, um, but the Bible says that they sought means. They sat down. They kind of scratched their heads. And they, they began to say, there's got to be a way that we can get into the house. And so... I don't know who came up with the idea, but one of the, one of the guys, one of his friends said, well, there's nobody on the roof. And they're like, that's true, there's nobody up on the roof. So they, they find a way to get their crippled friend up on the roof on his stretcher. <laughs> He's already crippled, right? And they start to tear apart the roof. <coughs> Remember that? Jesus is ministering in the house. Do you know that will interrupt the sermon? If all of a sudden I'm preaching here and all of a sudden you hear some jackhammers and pieces of tiling and so forth on from the roof falling, okay? That'll get your attention, right? Sure it will. But uh, the end result was he was healed, right? He was healed. Now, he had opposition. He had resistance. He had opposition. He had resistance. But they broke through, praise God. They figured out a way. They didn't let the, the uh, situation of the day hinder them or stop them from receiving the woman, the, the Syrophoenician woman, uh, Brother Dan shared about that, about the woman that was a, uh, outside the covenant. She wasn't a Jew. But she pressed in and received uh, a miracle for her daughter. Remember that? Now today, I want to look at uh, two individuals here. In fact, this is all in Mark chapter 5. We'll just spend the rest of our time here in Mark chapter 5. And... Uh, and while I'm, while I'm on this, let me just say this, that when I'm sharing on these, these lessons like this, we're going to get in the flow here in a second here, amen? When we're teaching along these lines, we're not just giving you a, a history lesson. Like, you know, blind Bartimaeus and, you know, the man that was born of four, the Syrophoenician woman. You know, we're, this is not just a matter of history looking back, oh, like, look at what Jesus did in one of the Gospels. Look at what happened here. The purpose of us looking at this is not just for a history lesson. Now, some people read the Bible like that, like it's, oh, I'm learning some things, it's a history thing. No, the Bible is to feed your faith. Amen? Ignite your faith. So that what God did for them back yonder, He will do today. Now, I thought Cindy's, Sister Cindy's testimony was a powerful testimony this morning. Power in, the, in, the, in the face of obstacles of resistance in the face of fear, not only for her, but for her family, right? 
She pressed through and she got a miracle. Amen. Amen. And so you're, this is the common thing that we're going to see with people in the, in the Bible that received anything from the Lord because if we think that we're not going to have some type of resistance, amen? Now, when the Lord told us to start a church, I didn't realize how much resistance we would have. <laughs> amen? And that's just par for the course, especially up in the Northeast. Amen? But you know what? We heard from heaven. We heard from Jesus. And he hasn't changed his mind. Amen? Amen? And just because you have resistance, just because you have things that come against you, doesn't mean that you're outside the will of God. Are you with me now? And just because you have an attack upon your body, doesn't mean that you're outside of God's will. But through persistence, and through perseverance, and, and through being determined you can receive your miracle from God. All right, now look at uh, Mark chapter 5, and let's look at verse 21. Hallelujah. And so Paul said, none of these things move me. Sometimes we need to say that. None of these things move me. None of these natural things move me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, it says here, now we're going to read, in, in Mark chapter 5, there's two accounts here. You have Jairus and his daughter, and you have the woman with the issue of blood. And these are, these are tremendous. There's some insight that we want to see here today that will help us where we're at right now. And it says in verse 21, when Jesus was passed over again by a ship to the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there was one that uh, cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. Now notice he was a well, he was a ruler of the synagogue. All right, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. That's Jesus' feet, and besought him greatly, saying, "My little daughter lieth at the point of death." So uh, obviously he's concerned about his little girl. His daughter is lying at the point of death. You see that? In verse 22, and he said, Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her, that she may, that, notice that she may be healed and that she shall live. Notice what his confession was. He said, pray for her, come lay your hands on her. Number one, she'll be healed. Number two, she'll live. He made a, he'd made a declaration, right? All right. And then verse 24. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Okay, now here's the picture I want, I want you to see right here. Jairus comes, falls at the feet of Jesus. He's desperate. He's desperate. Amen? And he said, and he was determined. He said, Master, come, lay your hands on my daughter that she can be healed and that she'll live. So verse 24 says that Jesus went with him. All right? He didn't say anything. He just went with him. So he's on, they're on a mission right now, right? They're on a mission. Jesus is going to Jairus' house to do exactly what happened with his, what he just said about his daughter. He's going to pray for her. He's going to lay hands on her. going to raise her up. She's going to be healed, right? And notice that, that there was a lot of people involved here. Not only is Jairus going with Jesus and Jesus with Jairus, but notice it says much, in verse 24, much people followed him and thronged him. In other words, there was a group of people. Now, it doesn't say how many, but there was probably quite a few. Because a lot of people, they heard Jesus was, you know, they're going to come out. Rightfully so, right? Much people throng, followed him and thronged him. So, there's two, there's two stories in one chapter here, all right? Now, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to do the very thing that he came and asked for. 
And then verse 25, it says, and a certain woman. Now, this is while they're on the way to Jairus' house. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. Say 12 years. Okay, this is going to give a description about this woman with the issue of blood. Now, this is, this is while they're walking to go to Jairus' house, right? And the woman with the issue of blood, all of a sudden, she butts in here and disrupts the flow right here. All right? And, and a woman, verse 25, there was a certain woman that had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now, if there's the word hopeless that was written over her head, hopeless. She spent her last dime, I mean, thinking, she, it doesn't say she went all these different physicians, thinking, well, maybe, uh, maybe that doctor has the key. Maybe, well, it didn't work there, so maybe this other doctor over here hasn't, maybe he has a key for my situation. And the Bible says that she spent everything that she had. And she didn't get any better. She grew worse. This is a hopeless, this is a real woman in a real desperate situation, right? She had tried everything that she knew how. And she, verse 26, and then she suffered many things of many physicians, and she spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Not only was she sick and incurable, but now she's broke. This is the curse of the law. Do you know the curse of the law in Deuteronomy 28 is threefold. It's poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. She's broke financially, and she's broken physically. This is the curse. And Jesus came to redeem us from the curse. Hallelujah. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. You're redeemed. If you belong to Jesus, you're redeemed from the curse of the law. Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Some people translate the good news, bad news. Now listen, you try to convince a Jew to be poor, you got to be kidding. They, they knew their covenant. Amen. And we are, the, we are the sons and daughters of Abraham. If you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed, you're an heir according to the promise in Galatians 3.29. And if I belong to Jesus, do you belong to Jesus? Then you're, a, you're an heir of God and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And it says that, uh, verse 26, that she spent all that she had, didn't get any better, but she got worse. Now let me just explain something about a woman with the issue of blood. Okay, now, now you may or may not know this, but in the Old Testament, particularly in the Old Testament, in the Levitical law, someone with this condition, for example, someone that had leprosy, okay, they, were, they, had, they had a certain uh, section of town that they had to be in where no one else, where healthy people couldn't go, and it was quarantined from the rest of the healthy folks, okay? And under Levitical law, it was, it was unlawful for her. She could have been stoned to death for, uh, under Levitical law for being in public with having an issue of blood. She couldn't stop bleeding for 12 years, all right? So she had to fight through all, but that kind of helps to sit, set the picture here. But when she came to Jesus, she was dealing with that fear also, not only about her physical body, but the fact that she was in public, you know, and under Levitical law, she could have been stoned to death. She's got all these fears coming against her. Are you with me now? And it says uh, in verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, notice that, when she heard of Jesus, who is Jesus? He's the what? He's the Word. He's the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God in John chapter 1. Jesus is the living Word. In fact, in heaven, they still call Jesus the Word. Amen? When He comes back, it's written on His thighs, Word of God. Amen? He is the living Word of God. And it says that she heard of Jesus. Now, before she heard of Jesus, she heard of Dr. So-and-so. Amen? Dr. So-and-so didn't work out, so maybe Dr. Seuss worked out. So I heard about Dr. Seuss over there, so... Dr. Seuss didn't work out, you know. He said, well, you got to eat some green eggs and ham. You know, that'll cure you. I'm just kidding, you know. (laughs) 
My point being is this. She exhausted all of her resources, naturally, physically, financially. She exhausted. She tried. But all of a sudden, someone told her about Jesus. Now, it doesn't say who told her, but there had to be someone because it says she heard of Jesus. Someone came, some friend came and said, have you heard about Jesus? Well, who's Jesus? Is he like those other physicians? No, no, no. He's healing people. Okay? And then it says, verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, now faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now what she heard about Jesus affected her faith. Now listen, she didn't have any New Testament to turn to. She didn't even have a scripture book to turn to. She, she didn't have any of that. She only heard something. Which goes to show you that you can hear the right information if that's the only information you have. It can stir and stimulate faith on the inside of you. Some of these people that receive from the Lord only heard one sermon. And somehow, somehow we've got the idea that unless you hear 10 hours of sermons and sit under the Word for, an ex- for a whole month that you can't be healed, that's not true. Now in some cases you, need to, you always need to saturate yourself with the Word. But you can hear a, a message one time and decide, I believe that. I settle that in my heart and my mind. And I'm not going to wait. I'm going to receive right now. Hallelujah. Now you know I, I heard a story one time, a true story, about a guy. This is back... Uh, 70, 80 years ago that lived in the South. He was a pastor in the South at a small country church. And he had a tremendous success of getting people filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. Back when it wasn't as pop, nowadays it's more accepted and so forth. But you have to realize back in those days it was people were heavy, Christians were heavily persecuted for being filled with the Spirit and speaking with other tongues. Did you know that? Heavily persecuted. And so he had a he had a reputation of people coming to him in the midnight hour and asking him, I want to be prayed. I heard you, you, know, you pray for people and they get filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, yep, that's true. That's true. And so he had a really good track record of people coming to him. Like Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. <laughs> he was embarrassed. He wanted to come to him by night. And he got, he got his answer. So this, this, this preacher, they would come to him, people from other churches would come and say, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. One guy came to him and he said this, I want to be filled. I, I heard about this and I heard you pray for people and it's, you're, you're very successful getting people filled with the Holy Ghost. And the pastor said, yeah, that's true. He said, we got this place. This he's, now, he's a country preacher. He's out in the country. He said, I got this little spot in the woods. Okay, and every time, every time we go to this spot, for some reason, everybody gets filled with the Holy Ghost and speaks with other tongues. How many of you know that's a blessing? It's Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. All right? It's not crazy. It's not weird. I know there's been crazy and weird stuff said about it, but that doesn't do away with the real thing. So this guy came to him. He said, okay, I'm ready. He goes, well, let's, let's, let's march out. Let's go to this spot in the woods. So they start to walk, you know, and the, pastor, the guy that was with the pastor said, he knows, how far is this place? We keep walking. We've already walked a couple of miles. He goes, well, it's just a little further up. They kept walking over some hills and valleys, you know, and they kept walking. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, he's, he realizes three or four miles here. He's already walked. He says, how far is this spot? And so the guy that asked him to be filled with the Holy Spirit said, look, I don't care where this spot is in the woods. He goes, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. And the pastor said, that's the spot right there. There was no magical place in the woods. It was when they got determined enough. Are you with me now? When they got determined enough and they said, I don't care. I don't care if it's up 10 buck three. I don't care. I'm, I'm getting it right now. I'm getting my miracle right now. And he laid hands on him. Boom, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Spoke with other tongues. See, when we get determined and tenacious enough, we will receive from God. Amen. Chuck Knoll said one time, I just heard this this week, one of the former players that played for Chuck Knoll on the football team. And, uh, and Chuck Knoll used to make this statement. He goes, if I need to motivate you guys, he goes, you're in the wrong business. Amen? He goes, if I need to motivate you, you're in the wrong business. Because 
If you're in the NFL and you're playing in the NFL, the National Football League, professionals, right? You should already know what motivation means because that's what got you there to begin with, right? But so many times people need motivated when we should be, if we're just determined in our heart, we just make, I'm telling you, just bulldog tenacity, if you will, that we're going to receive. This woman in verse 27, she heard of Jesus And when she heard about what was going on, the people were touching the hem of his garment. A lot of people were healed by this touch, not just this woman here, but other people were touched by, or healed by the touch of his garment. And so, the story reads, that we read on here, when she heard, verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, and she touched his garment, for she said, now notice what she said something. If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now the Amplified says she kept saying. She kept saying. So, she made a declaration. Thou shalt decree a thing. Thou shalt decide and decree a thing. And it shall be established. Amen. She said said it. She kept saying it. And your words are very powerful. How many of you know that? Your word is what paves the way for the miraculous, what you say with your mouth. And no one else can, no one else can take control of your mouth except you. How many of you know that? You, know, you can't jump inside someone's body and make them say certain things. You know? um, but you know, when you make a determination, when you determine and you declare with your mouth, this is the way it's going to be. When I touch his clothes, I'm going to be made whole. It's like saying, when I come to church today, I'm going to receive my miracle today. You start decreeing that before you see anything, okay? Before any natural, any, before sparks are flying, before anything happens, you make a bold declaration, this is what's going to happen. Praise God. It says, uh, again in verse 27, she heard of Jesus, so faith comes by hearing. She came in the press behind, she touched his garment, for she said, verse 28, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Now look at verse 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So notice that the feelings came after, the feeling, her physical feelings changed after she made some declarations. It's easy to make a declaration after the miracle happens. Anybody can do that. Amen? I mean, I think about, was it Miriam, uh, Moses' sister, and the, that gang of people that came out of Egypt and they came through the Red Sea? Remember that? And then uh, on, the, on the opposite side, when they saw the Israelites... I mean, when they saw the Egyptians drowned by the waters. I mean, they witnessed this. They saw this. Okay? <laughs> this really happened. The Bible says that Miriam started a song and they all sang it. You know, I will triumph gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Remember that? And they sang a great song. But that was after the Egyptians were drowned. The next day or two, when they needed water, they were belly aching and complaining. They weren't singing, the Lord has done glorious things. So, my point being is this you, anybody can rejoice after you see a great victory, like, didn't take any faith at all. But when they faced uh, thirst, when they needed water, and they came to the waters of Mar, where the waters were bitter and they couldn't drink it, you know, man, what came out of their mouth was grumbling and complaining, you know. And then, man, then the Lord told jo- uh, uh, Moses, He said, take a a branch, you know, and put it into the water. And the bitter waters were made sweet, and they were able to drink that water. That's a type of Jesus, of the tree that he was nailed to. Amen? And he makes the bitter waters of our life sweet. Now, they could have sang praises to God before they saw that, but they, they decided not to. All right? Now, this woman... It says here that, that verse 29, the straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt on her body that she was healed of that plague. Verse 30 says, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press. You see, CNN was back then too. 
<laughs> Turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. That's true. How sayest thou then, Who touched me? Now, this is interesting because Jesus is going, where is he going? He's going to Jairus' house to pray and to lay hands on his daughter, right? As he's going, there's a throng of people. There's a group of people. And they're all rubbing shoulders with Jesus. But there's nothing happening. No sparks are flying. But there's one woman that breaks through the press. She had opposition. She had resistance. Even in her, her physical condition, she didn't jump in the car and start the car and drive to where Jesus was. She walked. She hoofed it. And in that weakened condition, she could have fallen dead on the road. You know, probably saw buzzards flying over her head. Waiting for her to drop. Are you with me? And, but she, she just kept, nope, I'm not going to let that hold me back. She fought through the fear. She fought through that resistance, even the Levitical law. And she pressed through the opposition to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Because others were receiving healing that way. But Jesus, the Bible says, he stopped and he said, who touched me? Okay. His disciples were right with him. They're like his bodyguards, right? And they're with him. You know, they got the dark sunglasses on, the black jackets. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know what I mean? And, uh, and they said, uh, they said, Lord, everybody's touching you. Everybody's thronging. What do you mean somebody touched you? He says, no, somebody made a demand on my power. You know, there are people that touch Jesus like a rabbit's foot, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I hope something happens. I sure hope something happens, but nothing happens. But here's a, here's a, here's a broke, sick, weak woman that comes bursting through that crowd. Somehow she pressed her way through, probably got some elbows and so forth, you know, bruised up. But she fought her way through that mess. And when she grabbed a hold of his garment, Jesus felt power gone out of him. You know that? He felt power. And verse 32 says, And he looked round about to see her that done this thing. In other words, he's looking, what, who was this? But the woman, fearing and trembling. Now, why do you think she was fearing and trembling? Because of her condition. Okay? Knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth, being a woman. Told him all the truth. I'm just teasing. I don't know how long it took, but it might have taken 20 minutes or so. I went to this doctor. He didn't work out. I did this. It didn't work, you know. So in other words, she's taken up some valuable time, so to speak. She's taken up time. Jay, the, the clock is ticking, right? The stopwatch is ticking. Jay Iris is thinking probably, I can't believe this just happened. She just interrupted our flow here. We're supposed to go to minister to my daughter, Okay. Are you with me now? And, but you're never too late with Jesus. <laughs> you're never too late with him. It's never too late. And she's the one that decreed and declared all these things. Here's what happened to me, you know. And then uh, verse 34, And he said unto her, Jesus said unto her, Daughter, your faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. In other words, be shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Be whole of thy plague. All right? Isn't that marvelous? Now, again, we're looking at people that received from the Lord in the Bible. And you can receive from the Lord in this day right now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, you may, you know, you may not be able to go out there and find Jesus walking down the hallway and go up and grab his robe, you know, and the hem of his garment. But I'll tell you what you can touch is His Word. Because the Word of God is more sure. See, if they wanted to be healed back in Jesus' day, if they wanted to be healed, they had to go where Jesus was. There were time constraints. There was limitations. They had to go where He was. Else, why did the woman have to go find Jesus? She went where He was. The guy was born afore. They went to where Jesus was. They, didn't, they weren't over in the next town. They had to go find where He was. 
So there's, there's, limit, there's limitations with that. But see, under the New Testament in which we lived, the Bible says that the, the power of the Lord is everywhere, is omnipresent. Do you know God's power is in this room right now? His presence is in this room right now. There's no limitations. And uh, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He said, go in peace. Be made whole of your plague. Praise the Lord. And she received her miracle, didn't she? Say persistent. Now, she had to be persistent. Hallelujah. That means we've got to do things in our lives. If we're going to receive from the Lord, we've got to be persistent in putting the Word into our eyes and our ears. Those are the two gates, if you will. And that's the same thing the devil uses. He puts images in front of us, failure images. Did you ever notice that, I mean, the day and age in which we live right now, the television has a, it tells a vision, right? Television. And sometimes they're telling a vision that's not, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. It's not scriptural. And I've noticed that the last several years that there's a whole lot of stuff on there about taking drugs and you might have this sickness and so forth and fears just going out there. I remember even last, even this past week, they got on there, the, 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 several different channels I was just happened to see for a minute and they were talking about flu season. Flu season. People are dying from the flu. Okay? And when I heard that, I, I felt fear coming against me when I heard that. Because you hear something, right? And I said out loud, I said, no, it's not coming to my house. Flu is not coming to my house in Jesus' name. And it's amazing how they can throw those words out there. Like flu season, like it's football season. Baseball season. Flu season. You know? But let me tell you something. You have a choice whether you're going to permit that in your family or in your body or not. And I choose to say out loud, no, I will not have the flu in 2018 in Jesus' name. It's not coming to my house. It cannot come to my house in Jesus' name. And I made some declarations. And so it's important that you make faith. This isn't abracadabra, hocus pocus. This is declaring what the Word of God has to say. No accident will befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling. That's scriptural in Psalm 91. Okay, so in wrapping this up here this morning here, notice that uh, she received her miracle, right? He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole and so forth. In verse 34. Now verse 35 picks up again with Jairus. And it said, and his daughter said, and while he yet spake, what do you mean while he yet spake? Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. And while he yet spake, there came unto him a ruler of the synagogue's house, a certain which said, Your daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Your daughter has just passed away. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. Opposition. Resistance. Can you imagine... What's going through Jairus' mind about what happened in this whole scenario, how this woman took some time out, pressed through the crowd, she got a miracle. He's probably thinking, if that wouldn't have happened, Jesus could have got to my house, right? I could have taken care, he could have taken care of my daughter. But this woman butt in and stole my time, and now my daughter's dead. You know that's what's going through his mind. And it says, uh, While he yet spake, verse 35, While he yet spake, there came unto him a ruler of the synagogue into his house, a certain which said, Your daughter's dead, don't trouble the master any further. But notice look what Jesus said in verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word, what word? Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Let's read that together. Be not afraid, only believe. One more time. Be not afraid, only believe. You, are, you and I are either in faith or we're in fear. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. We're either in faith or we're in fear. Now, 
When you're in faith, that doesn't mean that you don't have thoughts. You can still have thoughts come against you. There's times I've stood for all kinds of different things. I mean, impossible from the natural, you know. I had fears coming against my head, but in my heart, I still believe it. So don't be surprised if you have opposition in your head, if you have bad thoughts that come to you. That's par for the course. You're going to have bad thoughts that are, that are when you're starting, when you believe the Lord and you're trusting the Lord, you're going to have bad thoughts. And you had bad thoughts, didn't you? Yeah, sure. But that doesn't mean that you're a bad person and you're filled with fear. You can have thoughts of fear, doubt, unbelief come against your mind, but that doesn't mean that's yours. That doesn't mean that you have that. Hallelujah. You can have faith in your heart, but doubt in your head and still receive from God. Because <laughs> there's a difference between your head and your heart. How many of you know that? So he made this declaration. He says, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And the verse 38, and he came, he cometh to the ruler, uh, the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult. And then that wept and wailed greatly. In other words, they're, they're really crying here. And when he was coming, he saith, he saith unto them, Why make you this ado? Why weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now we know that she's graveyard dead. But see, Jesus is calling those things which be not as though they were. He quickeneth the dead, and he calleth those things which be not as though they were. He says, she's not dead, she sleepeth. Now we know that she's dead. Verse 40, and they laughed him to scorn. Now one second, they're crying. Oh, you know, they're crying and crying, and now they're laughing him to scorn. Do you know they actually had professional mourners back in those days? You would hire a professional mourner. Who in the world would want one of those? <laughs> They laughed in verse 40. They laughed him to scorn, but when he put them all out. See, sometimes you have to put unbelief out. You know that? He kicked them out of the house, all the other people. He just took his closest associates with him. And sometimes you've got to kick out unbelief. Amen? I know a guy, a minister actually, had a wife that had a, had a, a brain tumor. A deadly, inoperable, actually, brain tumor. Mark Hankins, his wife, several years ago. And, uh, and he said, uh, man, they grabbed a hold of the Word of God. He said he put a big, heavy-set woman outside the hospital room that was filled with faith. And she guarded who went into that room and who didn't go into that room. <laughs> That's what he said. And he put a big sign, no unbelief allowed in this room. Because sometimes well-meaning people can come, you know, and they're saying things. They're just trying to comfort people, you know. But, man, they're going to put you in the grave before you know it. So you want to be surrounded by people, words, the right kind of words, the words of faith. And he just said, fear not, only believe. And then verse, uh, notice it says, uh, in verse 41, it says, He took the girl by the hand, said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Little girl, I say unto thee, Arise, and straightway the girl rose and walked out and walked, for she was the age of twelve years. She was only twelve years old, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Okay, now she was uh, she was as we'd say graveyard dead. She was dead, physically dead, but Jesus responded when they came. Think about this: when they came and they said, "Don't trouble the master," he heard it. He was right there. Don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter, it's too late. She died. He made this statement to her. He says, fear not, only believe. Do you think those words had an impact on this situation? Do you notice, do you ever notice from there on, you don't see Jairus saying anything? He just, okay. <laughs> he agreed with what Jesus said. He didn't argue with them. He didn't say, oh, Jesus, it's too late. Don't even, don't even be concerned. Hey, listen, if it's your daughter, you're concerned about her. Okay? 
Someone said, you know, that person's little finger hurts. That's ah, not a big deal. But if it's your little finger, it's a big deal. <laughs> Isn't that right? Well, Jesus is concerned about everything. Now, I'm going to close with this scripture here this morning. This might seem like it's off the subject, but it's really not. But in Proverbs 29, verse 18, let's go there real quick here and we'll close here today. In Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now most often people will use this scripture when it comes to laying out a vision. And there are certain truths with that, laying out a vision for a particular business or you know, a ministry or something like that, laying out a vision. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to see, you know. But in light of this scripture right here, the vision that he's talking about is the vision of the Word of God because the law is referred to the Word. Now, let me look at this in the Amplified here. Same verse here. It says, Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, or we would say the Word of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, enviable is he. All right. Now, when it says here, where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay? This is particularly talking about keeping the Word of God as your vision. In other words, you keep that in front of you. You keep that in front of you. How many of you drove here this morning? All right. You know, when you were driving on the road, you were looking down something. In other words, you were looking down the highway. If you came in on, off of the highway here, most people do. You know, you don't think about it because it's just subconscious. You don't even think about it. But you're driving down the road and you're looking to where you were headed. You're not there yet, but you see maybe a half a mile to a mile down the road or whatever, depending on where you're at. And your vision is saying, that's the direction that I'm going in. Now, when he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. He is specifically talking about the law, or we'd say the Word of God. We have to keep the law in front of us as our vision, the Word of God in front of us as a vision to know that's the direction that I'm going. So if I keep, for example, healing scriptures in front of me, I see it with my eyes, and I speak it out where I can hear it with my ears, you are eventually going to walk in that vision. You're going to walk in it. That's why it says, without a vision, people perish. And there are, there are believers that perish all over, the, all over the world. Believers that perish in their physical bodies, okay? Because they don't have a vision for healing in their lives. So, Brother Dan was talking about, you know, that it, it's so important what church you go to. Because what you hear will affect your vision and whatever vision you have will take you to the place whether you want to go or don't want to go. Now, if you're in a church where, and that's not this church, where people say that miracles have been done away with, healing is done away with, when the last apostle died, there went the miracles with it. Do you think you're going to get faith to be healed in that kind of a service? Now, they might be very good people, good-hearted people, but they're just off on that area. Okay. So we have, to, we have to be able to present a vision from the Word of God in front of us that gives us sufficient faith to go in that particular direction. Amen? I, keep, uh, I, I constantly keep before me the Word of God regarding health and healing, provision, things that you need in this life. I keep those things before me. And not only do I look at them, I speak them out loud and I say them. Okay? I say them out loud because what you say is what you're going to see. Oh, say, can you see? <laughs> what you say, you will walk into, all right? Now, if you hear the wrong words, you can walk in, there in the wrong direction. You know, like I said, you can hear stuff about flu season. Like, 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 how many of you heard stuff about that already on, on the television? See? That's what I'm talking. Because they propagate that. It produces fear. It produces fear. But you combat that fear with the vision of the Word of God. And you take a scripture and you say, no, nope, that's not going to come near me. Now, that's not being arrogant. That's just being scriptural. And we have to be tenacious enough to say, you know what? I don't care. I'm standing on the Word of the living God. 
Listen, I've passed up some marvelous opportunities to get the flu. About a month and a half ago, I had every symptom come to me, okay, that, was, that, that would indicate you're heading in this direction, Brother Keith, okay? I mean, I could feel it coming on, the headaches and the throat pain and everything, and I mean, just starting to come on me. And I, you know what? I, I made a choice right then and there. See, don't wait till it gets roots inside you and then you pray like 10 hours later, okay? You're like, man, I feel like I'm half alive right now. You know, can you pray for me? You know, well... Don't let it take root. As soon as you get the first symptom, I mean the first symptom, you rise up and you say, nope, you're not coming to my house in Jesus' name. Flu symptoms, sore throat, you go in Jesus' name. Within five minutes, every symptom left me. To God be the glory. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on Jesus, on the Word of God. Because I know my rights. I know my privileges. I know what belongs to me and what doesn't belong to me. And sickness and disease does not belong in my house. I won't accept it. I won't permit it. I will not permit it in my physical body. Because I got a job to do. Amen? I got people I want to minister to. I got you all. Praise the Lord. I want to minister to more people. I want to help more people. But I'll tell you what, when you try to minister, when you're sick and you're beat down and stuff, it's even harder. But it's just so much better when you can walk in the fruit of the vision of the Word of God inside of your life. Amen? So basically what we're doing, every time we come to church, you may not think church is that important, but it's vitally important because we're putting out the vision before you every single time you come together in a corporate setting like this. There's a stronger anointing. And when we put the vision out of the Word of God before you, that means you can step in it. You can walk in it. You can walk in it. If you're driving through a tunnel and the lights turn off, you can't see where you're going. If your lights are not on, you can't see where you're going. And a lot of people are like that. They're, walking, they're going through life, but they have no vision. They can't see where they're going. They're bumping into things. They can't see. But the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It gives us spiritual light to see, I can walk in this. I can do this. I can walk in this. When I first heard my, my spiritual father, Kenneth Hagin, talk about his testimony, how he, he was healed from two incurable diseases and he was raised off a deathbed supernaturally even died three times he actually died three times and came back to life during that process you know but you know I still think back when I heard those testimonies back when I was just a teenager I thought dear God and you know I'll never forget I was I was driving one time I was on uh, where was that in Greensburg I was over in Greensburg and uh and I had never heard of Kenneth Hagin before. Never heard of him. But he was on the radio. And, and there was something about the way he would share that just captivated me. I had never heard of him before. But, you know, he had that, that broadcast that was on there. What did they call that back then? It was a, the, uh, there's a name for that broadcast, that Kenneth Hagin's radio broadcast. The, uh, regardless, he was preaching. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there was a certain name for his radio broadcast. I don't know. But anyway, he's preaching a 15-minute broadcast, you know. And all of a sudden, I heard him talking about how that he was actually in Greensburg. And I was in Greensburg when he said this. There was a church he used to go to up there, a full gospel church that was there on Route 30 in Greensburg. You know, I don't know if it's still there or not. I know the pastor's not there anymore. But Brother Hagin used to come up there and minister. And... Uh, he was talking about how he would minister. He was, he was ministering to this one person, and he had what they call, the Bible calls, discerning of spirits. Where he looked, and he was in the congregation, he looked out, and he saw this guy sitting there in a chair, and he said this monkey-like creature had his arms wrapped around this guy's head. Okay? He looked, it was in the spirit, discerning of spirits. He was able to see into the spiritual realm. And he saw the guy sitting there, and I'm thinking... Ooh, I never heard that in my Methodist church before. I was like in awe. I was like, are you kidding me? But he would, you know, the way he would talk, it was, you knew it wasn't fabricated. It was just, just plain as day. Just honest to God truth, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I was minister. I saw this guy sitting there, and I saw in the spirit realm, and I saw this little ugly-looking monkey like it's a demon spirit with his arms wrapped around this guy's head, okay? Now, he never met this guy before in his life. 
And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'd never even heard of this before. I was fascinated by that. And in a good way, I was like captivated by what he was sharing. I thought, I never heard anybody share this before. And he said, make a long story short, he went to him to call this guy up. He ministered to him, laid hands on him, and the demon left him. And the demon said, he goes, he goes I don't want to leave, but if you tell me to leave, I'll have to leave. He said, you get out of here in Jesus' name. He said, that demon took his hands off him, fell, he goes, kerplop. That's what he said, kerplop to the floor. And he goes, he ran out the back door of the church. And the guy lifted his hands. He says, I'm free. The pain's gone in my head. The pain's gone. Okay? So that demon that was oppressing him with sickness and disease, when he saw in the spirit realm and he saw him, and the Lord shows you that to help that person, not to be you know, spooky or anything like that. Amen. Now, discerning of spirits doesn't mean discerning of demons. Some people think it's just seeing devils. No, discerning of spirits means you see into the realm of the spirit. You can see angels. You can see demons. You can see the Lord. Okay? Discern, in other words, your eyes are open spiritually. And right now, for example, if your eyes were open right now in the spiritual realm, you would see this room is full of angels right now. There's more angels in this room than there are people. Do you know that? You just don't see it. But that doesn't mean they're not there. Hallelujah. Angels are real. And they're here. They don't leave. They're committed to you. They are committed to you. Praise God. Now, we're going all over the place here this morning. But we have to become, even this week, we can become more determined in, in the face of some of you, I don't know this by any other way than it's just being in the earth. You've had resistance. You've had things come against you. You've had opposition. Uh, don't let that sway you one ounce. Don't be moved by that. The devil can work through other people, and they're not your problem. The people that you're with or whatever, they're not your problem. It's the enemy behind them, okay? And you can take authority over every hindering spirit. The devil likes to hinder things. How many of you know that? And when you start taking authority over every hindering spirit that's trying to hinder your kids from receiving, trying to hinder you from receiving whatever it is that you need, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of you foul hindering spirits. You take your hands off my family right now in Jesus' name. And I loose the angels right now to go and to minister. And you'd be surprised what will start to take place. Many times we tolerate things that don't need to be tolerated. Many times we sit back and say, what will be, will be. Case of Ross or all. That's not a scripture. <laughs> but what we need to do is we need to rise up and say, no, the curse is not coming to my house. The Bible says that you will be, you know, the part of the curse of the law is you'll begat sons and daughters, but you won't enjoy them. They'll be led into captivity. Do you know that's part of the curse in Deuteronomy 28? It's not just sickness and disease. It said, you'll begat sons and daughters. He goes, but you won't enjoy them because they'll be led into captivity. That's a curse. You're redeemed. I am. You are. We are redeemed from that curse. Now, it doesn't matter how old your kids are. I don't care if they're full grown. It doesn't matter. If they're out of your loins, if they're out of your, your body, that's still your seed. And I will enjoy my children. And you will enjoy your grandkids and your kids. And they will not be led into captivity in Jesus' name. We have authority in this area. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up and praise Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I'll tell you the truth, I felt resistance even to get this message out today. I did, but you know what? It, we, we got it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. 
Glory be to God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Let's just wait a minute on him. Let's wait upon the Lord for a minute here. Praise the Lord. Just get clearance in our spirits. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glorify the name. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There isn't anything that can oppose you. There isn't anything that can stop you with my power and my might in your life saith the Lord. Don't be moved by what you see or what you hear or what you feel. But know this, even in the midst of opposition, in the midst of things looking like they're not going to turn out as you wish, boldly declare that my presence is with you and my glory is with you. And as you speak my word, as you say what I've said already in my word, the devils will have to flee and they'll have to leave and they'll have to bow their knee to my name, saith the Lord. So be bold, bold with my word. Be bold to speak the truth of my word and the enemy will have to run and flee. He'll not be able to stand there in joy and glee. He'll have to run because you see, I've placed my spirit on the inside of you. I've placed my word on the inside of you. And he cannot stand against either one of those powerful forces, saith the Lord. So know this, that as you take inventory today, you have my spirit on the inside of you. You have my word on the inside of you. And that is sufficient enough. That's more than enough to overcompensate for anything the enemy could throw at you. So fear not. Allow not fear of this thing and that thing to enter into your mind and yes, even into your heart. But speak to that fear and it'll bow its knee. Speak to that doubt and it'll bow its knee. Speak to that devil and he'll have to flee. Speak my word, speak my name. For you see, you have everything that you need to be victorious in this life, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, as you're a minister and pastor, this uh, in Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9, just like really, really jumped out yes. at me. It says, yes. remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me, this is the point, feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God. For you see, saith the Lord, you have the table set before you. It's up to you to come and dine with me, saith the Lord. I have prepared it. I have given you he who is the bread of heaven. I have given you substance, saith the Lord, to give you meat to grow thereby. For you see in my word I said desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And full mature believers desire meat. For you see you've progressed in these things. You've grown stronger and stronger, saith the Lord. The revelation of my word has become greater and greater. For you see, the light is shine even brighter and brighter because you've come to the revelation of what I've declared. And as that revelation becomes brighter and brighter, you've been coming to the point where you've 
been eating the meat of the word. Yes. Yes, you've grown step by step by feeding on the milk. But you see, saith the Lord, you've come into greater revelation. It's the greater meat of my word, which bringeth forth a greater light and a greater walk with me. For you see, I'm becoming more real to you, saith yes, the Lord. Yes. More real because of the revelation of the word. You've desired to be fed, and you've yes, come yes. towards me, and I have fed you with the manna from heaven. So continue along these lines. And so as you go, grow in even a greater measure, in greater depths, for you'll see the Lord as I am. For you see I am that I am, and I am the God that changes yes, yes. not. There is no vertibleness with me. There is no shadow attorney. You're coming to a point where you're finding me, and you're seeking me, and you're finding me, and you've been diligent in these things, and so shall you've been fed in your inward man, and your, and your inward man has been strengthened to grow and grow and be strengthened every day as you proceed in learning of me, saith yes, the Lord. Lord. Amen. Amen. We receive that, Lord, right now. Amen. Glory be to God. Lay your hands on yourself. Just, just do this. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I release healing power into my body. Right now, I am healed from every sickness, every disease, every pain. I'm healed now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you for that right now, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord.